It is 435, and uh, we do have a blustery day. As a matter of fact, there's a special weather statement that's been issued. Severe thunderstorms are somewhere in the midst, but right now winds gusting to 80 kilometers. And as we pick it up with Conrad Black, noted author, commentator, and historian, my spies tell me that, uh, Conrad, you too have suffered a power outage this afternoon, so uh, Mother Nature doesn't play favorites. Absolutely. I'm sitting here huddled in my house like a, like a fearful a person contemplating the force of nature, but talking on a cell phone, I'm glad to be with him. All right. Well, there's been another force of nature, so to speak, in this province where uh, we're spiraling down into a deep hole of debt. We just heard from the finance minister, Mr. Fideli, $15 billion. Uh, that's the deficit for this year, and uh, the debt is now at $338 billion. And I know you've penned a piece for the Post tomorrow that you're basically looking at the Feds and Trudeau's high tax, high deficit, low growth plan is doomed. And I would think if you purposely wanted to sink the ship of state, that would be the recipe. What do you make of Ontario? How do we get out from under this mountain of debt and the onerous deficits at the same time we try to foster a robust uh, business or investment climate? Are we we too uh, doomed? Well, no. I, look, Ontario is fundamentally a rich place. It is... It, it is as I have described it in print and, and uh, verbally a number of times, an economic miracle by the McGinty and Wynn governments to have done such a hatchet job, an absolute uh, assault uh, with, with uh, uh, buzz saws and flamethrowers on the prosperity of Ontario. And uh, we've got to work our way out of that. Now, obviously, the problem uh, is, first of all, this isn't... A, this isn't a currency issuing jurisdiction, so we don't control the money supply. I mean, Queen's Park doesn't. Uh, and uh, counting on cooperation with the regime in Ottawa, both for political and policy reasons, uh, is not something that I would do uh, lightly or, or, or confidently. So uh, the best the provincial government can do is is what I think they pledged to do, uh, you know, try not to replace civil servants who reach retirement age, try to avoid extravagance, do their best to encourage investment. Uh, if we could settle down the trade atmosphere, we would, as we historically do, benefit from the roaring economic boom in the United States. I, the, the odd thing is that the only person who's going to save Canada is Donald Trump at the moment, uh, which he's not particularly excited about doing because of the way the NAFTA discussion's been handled. But um, uh, but he certainly doesn't wish this country ill. And in any case, prosperity in the U.S. normally does have some kind of good knockoff effect here, uh, but they're knock-on, I should say. But the uh, I think it really resides with the federal government. They control the money supply, and what they have to do is produce a growth plan for the Canadian economy, and that would that is a tide that would lift all the boats. But uh, I, I, it's absolutely shocking what's going on. The treatment of Alberta is even worse. Here they are victimized by uh, the, the, uh, the, the, the barriers, the trade barriers and commercial barriers between the provinces. You have this insane uh, double lunacy of, of the green liberal coalition in British Columbia preventing them from exporting oil or natural gas. It's, 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 and so they have to sell it across their southern border into the United States at a real, what I think, a, about a $20 per barrel knockdown to the world price. I mean, this, this is an outrage. And, uh, and if, if, the, if the federal government basically emulated uh, well, there are various ways of doing it. And I set out my 
hobby horse today about cutting all the income taxes and raising the the HST on elective spending, non-essential spending. I'm not talking about groceries bought in food stores and things like that. Kind of a consumption tax. Yeah, where it's a sort of a voluntary tax. I mean, mm-hmm. look, you're, if you or I or most of your listeners decide to go out for a nice dinner in a in a five star restaurant, uh, if it costs fifty dollars more, it's not going to kill us. Uh, and, and in any case, it's our choice. Uh, and, and therefore, you don't get people going to the links they otherwise do to protect their income from what they consider to be predatory taxation. And that's what we're facing. Seven provinces in this country uh, have uh, top tax rates above 50 percent. The state has no right to that other than in a terrible emergency, like a like a war or something like that. Yeah, that's confiscatory. Uh, Conrad, let me just back up a little bit. You know, it's our money, uh, John. You know, it's not their money. I know. You did say earlier, though, that we have to do our best to encourage investment here in Ontario. How would we go about that? I mean, look, we've got to compete with the United States, and Donald Trump has been on a roll of late, reducing taxes corporately and uh, personally. You know, how do we compete with that? Well, traditionally, Canada competes by tanking its own dollar. You know, we got it down to 65 cents uh, at one point in the, in the late Mulroney period. And, uh, but again, that's not in our hands. That's, that's, that's a, a Bank of Canada, Minister of Finance of Canada decision. Uh, but uh, at least we could give investors a comfort level that they're not going to get hassled with unreasonable industrial relations problems. That can be done. Now, in, in, in fairness, I don't think that the labor, organized labor or, or labor in general in, in in this province has been unreasonable lately. But, you know, we, we've got to play what cards we've got, even though it's not at this point a, a tremendously strong hand. But what you do have is proximity to the U.S. market, a good basic domestic market here in, in, in Ontario, especially in the, you know, between Oshawa and around the lake to Niagara Falls. And, and, um, and if you have a government that, that does its, its best in tax incentives to investment and assures a, a calm and reasonable uh, workforce environment, uh, you'll get part of the way. But it really sits with Ottawa. They've got to They've got to have the currency at a level that works for whatever trade arrangements we end up with, and and they have got to start to try and generate some economic growth. Again, with Conrad Black. Conrad, let me ask you, I mean, this is the question that's looming over everybody, and I mean, we're all on tenderhooks. Wither Ontario without NAFTA? Yeah, well, that that is a touchy question. We go to World Trade Organization rules, and I think we can live with those in most cases. And as I say, traditionally, what happens is, uh, going back to pre-free trade days, the, the Canadian currency drifts down a bit, so it compensates for whatever tariffs are in place. And and I, I doubt that there would be any incentive on the part of either the government or the private sector in the United States to try to um, to undo the level of integration that, that there is in the economy of this country with the United States. Uh, so I, I, I think that we, the currency would take care of it, and to the extent the province can do it, it could, it could equalize the tax side as best it can. But there again, we, you know, we, we need Ottawa. So if you get right down to it, either Ottawa 
change its course in its fiscal and monetary policy, or, or a year from now we make a change in Ottawa. Otherwise, we are going to have a terrible problem everywhere in this country. It could spell recession. Finally, I've got to ask you. Just, yeah, to- just remember, the U.S. economic growth rate is now more than three times ours. It's 13 times the Eurozone, uh, and it, it is not losing ground to China. I mean, China's not gaining on it in absolute terms. So and you've got a full employment economy, a $21 trillion economy of 320 million people. Uh, if we went to straight across the lake about 20 miles or so from where we are sitting, both of us, and, and uh, we should be able to take advantage of that. We should. Uh, it would be a colossal opportunity, uh, more or less frittered away if we don't. And I'll, I'll ask you finally about the Kavanaugh hearings down there in the States, because this to me is symptomatic of the toxic culture in which our politics are being played out. How do you think this thing should move forward now? Uh, look, I think it's nonsense, and everyone knows it's nonsense. It was a trap by the Democrats to try and lure Trump into saying something that would offend uh, the women voters coming up to uh, the midterm elections in six weeks. He hasn't taken the bait. He, contrary to the cherished myth that he's a, a bumbling, belligerent oaf, he saw that one coming and has been very careful in what he's what he said and has been very judicious. Uh, so it becomes a question of establishing that Kavanaugh's credibility is greater than, than Dr. Ford's. And, and, uh, and I don't think there's any problem with that. And I don't see any sign that either the Republican senators who dislike Trump strongly, who are leaving Flake and Corker, I mean, they still dislike Trump, but the way to show that is not pull a John McCain sandbag a, uh, a, a, an important vote, as McCain did over Obamacare repeal. It, 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 they, they like Kavanaugh. They just don't like Trump, so they'll hold their noses and vote for Kavanaugh. And I don't see any sign that Senator Collins or Senator Murkowski, two uh, female Republican senators, are moving on this. So they've Kavanaugh, you can't lay a hand on him as a nominee. And on this issue, 36 years ago, no question about uh, who has the greater credibility. I mean, it's not a beyond a reasonable doubt thing, like a criminal charge, but it's, it's, it's a question of balance of probabilities. And, you know, this woman uh, doesn't remember where it was or when it was, and the two people she cited as witnesses have both written to the chairman of the Judiciary Committee of the U.S. Senate saying, that's absolute bunk, they never saw anything of the kind, don't believe it happened. So, morally, the Republican senators would be on the right side of history by electing him, and so I guess they're trying to expedite... He's a thoroughly qualified judge, so I think it'll be fine. All right, Conrad, it's always a pleasure. Well, you hunker down there because the bad weather is upon us, and uh, hopefully everything will be restored power-wise and otherwise. It it took a branch off our big willow tree, and uh, we're we're a house in... We're, we're a house in a distressed condition because of that. <laughs> all right. All right. We'll see if we can send care packages. <laughs> or or real MQPs. <laughs> right. Fair Thanks, enough, Conrad. Tom. Good to talk. Uh, safe weekend. There you go. Conrad Black, noted historian, commentator, and author. The Oakley Show continues at Global News Radio 640 Toronto.